everyone, and welcome to episode 263 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew back this week, starting with... Richard, good to have you back. You made it back. Uh, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, you being over in China and like dodging the coronavirus. So uh, I'm glad you actually made it back into the country. Uh, yeah, interesting time for international travel. Uh, but fear not, I am back. And uh, like I told you guys earlier, there's more cases of corona in California Bay Area than where I was in China. So uh, yeah, it's fine. Comforting. Comforting. So yeah, yeah. You're actually less safe now somehow. I, I'm less safe, but don't <laughs> worry. Like a true Redditor, I do not leave my basement. I just stay at home all day, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, along with having Richard back, we also have Krim. What's going on this week, Krim? Well, I was recently pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually have been in California and thought you might have had coronavirus like, to the point that you actually went to get checked out of the doctors, right? Yeah, like, and, 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 and like, it... Cause like there are many strands of it, but like I thought I had the big one, but that's just because my paranoia. And I, I was like, she's like, oh boy, hold on, ooh. <laughs> but but it turns out I just had a like like a regular old flu. Well, that's that's good. Uh, I I mean having the flu still sucks, yeah, but I'm yeah. sure it's better than uh having coronavirus for the most part. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so our plan for today is pretty simple. We had another players tour event. So we're going to be talking players tour Phoenix, talking more pioneer, what the format looks like, all that kind of stuff. We also had an interesting podcast from Mark Rosewater this week on his drive to work podcast, talking about some ideas for changes to the commander format that have been talked about publicly, also internally at Wizards. So we wanted to kind of go over some of those, share our thoughts on these potential changes, and then, of course, answering your fish mail at the end of the cast. So that's the plan for today. But before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And if you've ever struggled with selling your magic cards, the time and the hassle and all the just headaches that go into selling your cards, Card Conduit is the easiest way to sell your cards. It's a new service from the folks over at Card Hoarder, and they will sort, grade, and sell your magic cards. And once your shipment is processed, you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee. And right now, you can get a 10% discount by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And with that out of the way, let's talk some pioneer in players tour phoenix so uh richard you're back i can bounce stuff off you what happened at players tour phoenix this weekend all right i emerged from my cave so this was actually pretty interesting so for the last two weeks i didn't really have internet so i don't really know what's going on but <laughs> apparently pioneer has shifted multiple times since then demir inverter won the tournament but the breakout deck so to speak of the week was lotus breach and the finals was Demir Inverter versus Lotus Breach. And then Demir Inverter won. Uh, so the, the story for Demir Inverter continues. But yeah, the, the talk of the tournament was Lotus Breach and how strong that deck is. Uh, basically, uh, what is the land even called? Lotus Field with a bunch yep. of twiddles. And then you, you <laughs> end up with yep. an Underworld Breach uh, playing Fae of Wishes. Uh, deck looked disgusting. Uh, there were a couple of crazy plays uh for example using a thought distortion to make your control opponent discard like six cards followed with an ugin minus wiping everything from the face of the earth like that was pretty disgusting tome scouring uh, yourself yeah but <laughs> repeatedly yeah, I mean, yeah tome scout like tome scour was is gross i i said I, like underworld breach is the real deal and graveyard cards in graveyard is not a real cost like wizards doesn't understand this there are ways to get around it and tome scour just basically fills like five cards which lets you loop itself infinitely uh so so yeah lotus breach but demir inverter did win so that still has the heat <laughs> yeah i think the most impressive part of the lotus breach deck for me is some of the matchups where it was able to beat hate like there were games where we saw leyline to the void we saw unmoored ego taking like important combo pieces and maybe it's partly because uh, some of the players playing lotus breach were really good like uh, huey was one of them the one that ended up in the finals and huey's just like a hall of famer and really good at magic but i was impressed because i assume like oh you're playing this graveyard combo deck you get hit by leyline you probably just lose or you get hit by Un 
Godmort Eagle, you probably just lose, but that wasn't necessarily the case with this deck. So, uh, so yeah, the deck, the numbers on that deck are just off the chart. The only matchup out of the 10 most played decks that it wasn't favored in was Mono Red Aggro, and overall it won 62% of the time, which is pretty ridiculous for being one of the most played decks in the field. Demir Inverter, also very good, and another deck that doesn't have a lot of bad matchups outside of <laughs> Lotus Breach itself. Like, that's a deck that can just race Demir Inverter, but I feel like those are definitely the two top decks in the format with probably the big deck from last week, the Saltai Delirium Swedish Saltai <laughs> deck uh, that Joel Larson used to win in Brussels. I think that is the new top tier of the meta. I think it's uh, Demir Inverter, Lotus Breach, Saltai Delirium, and then basically everything else after that. There's even the fusion of the two decks, which is Saltai Inverter. <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, I think that's one of those cases, at least by the data, that when you jam those two decks together, you actually make your deck worse. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but it is a cool idea. Two tier one decks. <laughs> you're tier zero, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should try that in standard, Crib. You should do uh, blue-white control in mono-red annex. Oh, oh <laughs> Match I, those together to uh, give us a video. I've definitely done that, but I also didn't take out any cards. It was like 120 cards main deck. <laughs> I, I, it was Jeskai Fires and Rakdos, uh, or, or Jund Sacrifice. <laughs> did, I, did you win any games? I did. I did. I did not <laughs> win any matches, though. <laughs> uh, so so going back to uh pioneer what do you guys think about this meta like obviously we saw a big shift last weekend with the first players tour with inverter breaking out we saw another big shift this weekend with lotus breach uh breaking out where do you think we're at with this meta game is this something where we're having the the dreaded b-word conversation where stuff needs to be banned uh, is the meta gonna adjust and lotus breach and inverter are gonna be okay what what are you guys thinking about pioneer at the moment uh i mean right now with how much combo there is like it, this has been a crazy combo centric meta for pioneer which i mean the, the the pride like enjoy of like pioneer has been the fact that you can it, it's like a brewer's haven right you play whatever you want and you can usually still get some wins with it, but everyone, like, the, this, I think we talked about this last week on the podcast, and it was that I think, I, I wasn't, su I was really surprised at, at the earlier players' tours that Breach wasn't as popular as it is now. Like, it, this was not a surprise to me, because I think we were talking about, like, how that deck is broken, and, and how I, it is very powerful, and it was, it's poised to break out at some point, and I guess it already did, so. I, yeah, I think on our podcast before last week's Players Tour, we talked about the different combo decks, and I think we both kind of landed on, like, Lotus Breach is a deck to keep an eye on. It hasn't broken out yet, but that's the deck that I think we were both most scared of could potentially, like, break the format, quote-unquote. And it took an extra week. It didn't happen the first round of Players Tours, but arguably, maybe we're there. I think there is a question. There are hate cards that are good against it. You have Damping Spheres. You have uh, stuff that can hate on the graveyard, Ley Lines, and Rest in Pieces. On the other hand, part of what makes that deck so resilient is you have the Fae of Wishes package and tons yep. of mana. So having Fae of Wishes means you have access to, in your main deck, essentially an answer to any hate card your opponent can throw at you which makes the deck a lot more resilient than some other combo decks i think yeah yeah it makes it very resilient and and that was like because i was actually like play testing this yesterday right with uh with a friend and uh you know they were playing the breach deck and it required like I, I was, of course, playing Grixis uh, mid-range, but <laughs> mid-range, you know, of course, obviously the best way to attack the combo meta. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, like, game one was, like, laughably bad uh, and in the Breach's deck favor deck's favor, but post-board, like, right now, I I was also talking about how I, I'm only, I'm my sideboard is pretty much always locked into four Leyline of the Voids and Unmoored Ego. Unmoored Ego has been relevant and very important but the thing here is yeah like they overcome the the hate cards quite easily so i had had leyline on turn zero lock them out of their deck uh their graveyard long enough for me to play unmoored ego to then name fey of wishes and then 
only have to worry about expansion explosion. Yeah, so even that amount of hate isn't necessarily yeah. just game over. Like, it, it is very effective, but it doesn't necessarily yeah. just end the game on the spot. I think the only reason why I was even able to, like... Like, I I ended up winning a ton of my matches, or, like, like games two and three, but that's because my deck is loaded to the brim with Thought Season, Thought Erasure. Of course, you know, those cards don't stop top decks. Right, Jund? Uh, like, right, uh, Richard, you, you play a lot of Jund, so you know how it feels. Ah, I have removed the threat. And yeah, then you, they have drawn. You, you the just threat. don't play mid range against big mana decks, yeah. <laughs> especially big man. Like this is basically Tron, right? Like you're, yeah, you're yeah, at, yeah. Except for some reason, their land has hexproof, <laughs> so I it's very hard to attack. And like Huey said, I think you alluded to this, Krim. You need to attack the deck on multiple fronts. Like you can't just play like a single unmoored ego and call it a day, or you can't just uh, erase the graveyard and call it a day. You have to like pin multiple. Uh, hate cards on them to actually stand a chance and the problem is the deck is so flexible like let's say you you actually lock them out of all their mana all their colors they can still play an Ugin and like wipe all your hate cards or they can tutor up something of course you always have one mana natural state to just kill things so it's a pretty flexible deck I am not sure what you're supposed to do against it like this is when you call for blood moon <laughs> but uh <laughs> I, I don't know, but I do think it's way too early to talk about bannings or anything like that, right? Like it Yeah. We we, we just I, saw the meta shift significantly, like just literally like one week, right? And remember before we were talking about mono black aggro and what other decks we're talking about since the inception of Pioneer. It it has changed dramatically over the weeks. So I think it's way too early to talk about bannings or anything like that and just let it play out and see, you know, what mid-range players like Krim decide to bring against Lotus Breach and it's good enough, right? Like, it's possible that someone, you know, maybe mono-red aggro or something is the answer. I, I don't know, right? Like, these decks that were underrepresented this week, uh, some of them could have been the answer, right? Lotus Breach was the best deck given this meta, but the meta will change. Yeah, like, like I, I think we, we should just, like like Richard mentioned, like, just let it play out, uh, you know, and actually see how the meta adapts to it. Because I think that that that's the thing I've noticed that uh, it's it's a lot easier to say oh just do away with it ban it right but we're, like I still want to see the meta like you know try to actually beat the deck and if we tr- truly cannot beat the deck then okay sure ban something so I actually kind of come on the other side where I would be okay with with a banning and I think what I look to for precedent is the creation of modern. When Modern became a format, it was roughly almost exactly the same size as Pioneer was when it was created. They each had uh, right about 30 sets. And Modern started with 22 cards on the ban list. We had the first Pro Tour. They immediately banned six more cards. And then they banned another four or five over the course of the next year. So we were up to like 30 plus cards on the ban list in Modern uh, within like a year after the format was created, more or less. And they banned aggressively based on the results of the first Pro Tour of Modern. Uh, in Pioneer, we started with just the fetch lands on the ban list. Right now, I think including the fetch lands, we're up to 13 cards, so still like a third of the number. And I don't think it would be strange for Wizards to just be like, okay, these decks like kind of dominated our first Pro Tour we're going to ban them because that's what they did in modern essentially to storm they banned blazing shoal from the mono blue infect deck so i think because the format's so new and still in the state of upheaval it wouldn't surprise me i'm not like calling for bannings but it wouldn't surprise me is if uh if we got a pretty aggressive bnr announcement in the next week or two that like hit on inverter hit on lotus breach and like hit on dig through time or something yeah i mean i i as i i, I did want to see the meta shift and see if it can uh, like fight the deck but at the same time, I played against it like all day yesterday, and there were just turns where you just okay, cool. Well, they they play what they they quickly get to their turn two Lotus Field, right? They go Boreal Grazer, drop like on turn one, then turn two they like you know they drop the the Lotus Field or whatever, blow it like blow up their two lands. Then turn three, they just like play thespian stage and potentially could just go off i think another interesting argument for being aggressive with the bannings of combo decks in specific and pioneer is with the fetch lands being added to the initial ban list the only cards on the initial pioneer ban list one of the big reasons uh that wizards has talked about is they want 
Pioneer and Modern to feel different. They want each format to have its own distinct identity. And one of the things that troubles me about Lotus Breach and Inverter to a somewhat lesser extent is it kind of makes Pioneer feel like Modern. Like, I've come to grips with the fact that Modern is a format where you play your combo deck, you try to out-goldfish your opponent. That is uh, the foundation of the format. That's a characteristic of Modern. I would prefer Pioneer to not have that play pattern where it's just like, oh, I'm going to goldfish Lotus Breach against your inverter and who gets their combo first. Like, I would rather have Pioneer be a more slower, fair format, not just because I think it's fun that way personally, but I think it's another way you can differentiate Modern and Pioneer. Honestly, if Pioneer ends up being like Lotus Breach versus Inverter versus whatever, Mono Red, you might as well just play Modern. Like, why don't you play good combo decks if you're going to like just be goldfishing for kills? If you go the other direction, you might as well just play Standard, or you know, you (laughs) want to smash creatures into each other, play Limited. Like, we we do have Saltide Delirium, right? Like... I, I th- is that where we want the whole format to be? Like, dirtily mid-range? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mid-range. <laughs> Saltai versus John. If you go Saltai Delirium versus Demir Inverter, it's the good old classic Splinter Twin versus Jund, right? Like, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I feel it does feel different from modern, right? Like, it is not as a, like you have two combo decks, but the rest like Bant Spirits, Mono Black Aggro, uh, you know, Bazorius like, Control, like, the, like the rest of the format is fine. Whereas like modern, you keep going down the list, it's all combo decks, right? So aside that's, from that's the true. top two, you know, it, it is a pretty mid range fest in, in Pioneer right now. I guess, I guess the question will be, and we'll find out over the course of the next few weeks, like, can decks actually compete with those top decks? Like how, I think, as I said before, I think Inverter, Breach, and Saltai Delirium, that's the top tier of the format, with Lotus Breach being the number one deck ahead of the other two a little bit. Can the rest of the field actually build their decks in a way where you're competitive with those decks? Or do we find out that like Inverter and Breach and Delirium to some extent are just head and shoulders above the rest of the metagame, no matter what you do? And I think that's probably what will determine the the way forward. Like, I guess I'm probably fine with those decks existing if they're just like another good deck. But if the top tier of the meta solidifies is like two combo decks and Saltai Delirium, that doesn't seem like a very fun pioneer format to me personally yeah i'm with seth on this one i i'd rather just lose the two like i i think i I don't know if i if i necessarily despise like the inverter deck but i know that the lotus breach deck does some disgusting things so you don't feel bad when someone like dig through times you in the same way that they generate like 12 mana but it's the same thing right i i say hit the graveyards like these are all graveyard decks all the top decks even saltide delirium like, your graveyard is not a real resource, which Wizards keeps thinking it is, so I think <laughs> we need to just hit the graveyard, like, Seder Wayfinder and Dig Through Time and get the axe or something like that, right? Like, oh, just so much advantage out of the graveyard these days. I, think, I mean, that's uh, why so I play four ley lines, right? Like, it is a, it, yeah. it's becoming that meta where, okay, well, it is like modern a year yeah. ago, Remember right? Hogak, Every, where you had to put lines. four main deck ley lines in your deck? Like, do we yeah. want that to happen? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like... Yeah, maybe, like, Mono Black Devotion with, <laughs> with four ley lines in your main deck and just go. <laughs> I think... It's gotten a little overshadowed by Lotus Breach, but I think uh, Demir Inverter was very impressive this weekend. It did win. I don't put a whole lot of weight in winning tournaments. I think there's like a lot of variance as far as like the data and whatever. You mean but your I opponent part- bowling to four and having like one land in game one doesn't count as a real victory? <laughs> yeah. Come on. And then you thought sees them on top of that? <laughs> <laughs> I think the part that impressed me, though, is last weekend at the Players Tour events, Demir Inverter was good, but there were two decks that we kind of pointed to that seemed like by the data could beat it. Mono Red, Mono White, those were the two decks that had good matchups, and we thought maybe those decks would just beat Inverter. Well, this weekend, Demir Inverter actually flipped the script to the point where their two worst matchups, those two aggro decks, actually became their best matchups at Players Tour Phoenix. They went from, like, very underwater, winning 30-something percent of the time in each of those matchups, to beating Mono Red 60% and Mono White 73%, which 
which I think is a testament to the the flexibility of that deck as well. You don't have the Fey of Wishes flexibility, but being a blue-black deck, you have a lot of sideboard options, and if you want to be aggro decks, you start playing like Kalidus's and Languishes and Cry of the Carnariums, and apparently that's enough to uh, flip those matchups in Demir uh, Inverter's favor. I mean, yeah, all, all the Demir Inverter deck needed was just a few more turns. The amount of times, like, everyone's like, oh yeah, just be faster. It's like, sure, okay. Well, you know. <laughs> yes, I would like that. But the thing here is, they only needed a few more turns. The amount of times that I beat them when I was, like, playing, like, some kind of aggressive deck, I maybe only won by a turn or two. Had they untapped, I probably was dead. So, if they just added more control, and they just essentially play a blue-black control deck with the combo, like... They're good. Yeah. yeah. And it and it seems like that actually worked out in practice. Add some more removal, play a few more good sideboard cards for aggro, and uh, that was enough to flip the matchups in Demir Inverter's favor. So Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a better Splinter Twin. Like so the the whole strength of Splinter Twin was it was even if you remove the combo, which is like eight cards or twelve cards, it's a really good, you know, blue red tempo deck. Uh, Demir Inverter is basically a blue-black control deck with eight cards that finish you in a combo. But blue-black control, I think, is just better in a generic vacuum than blue-red tempo. So if you just remove your eight, you know, you could replace that Inverter combo with, I don't know, Etherling or something. I don't know what the finisher that's legal <laughs> right now is in Pioneer, right? Like, it would be a pretty good deck still. So I think it's really hard to attack this deck, and you can adjust your kind of control package to whatever you think the meta is so i think it's just a really strong deck and even if you stop the combos like if you unmoored ego versus demir inverter it's like a terrible mistake right because they'll still like smash you they don't need the combo to kill you uh so oh, man yeah i think it's just a really strong deck overall i i hope we get to the point where people are just like sideboarding out thassa's overcool and inverter and truth and like bringing in whatever dream trawler or etherling or something is it like, that ah, pack like, rat is like you're like surprised <laughs> pack rat pack rat is, pack rat is <laughs> right? yeah like heading that way but like twin used to do that there were games where game two or game three they just literally take out the entire combo <laughs> and play like yep. a, a tempo deck and beat you anyway or my personal favorite was aha splinter twin on my Snapcaster Mage. Yeah. Oh, crud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good, the good old days of Splinter Twin. Oh, this, this is completely unrelated, but someone asked me about when Modern became degenerate this weekend on Twitter, and I was thinking about it, and I think it's when Splinter Twin got banned. Like, Modern has, in some sense, always been degenerate, but I think when it went yeah. full-on, like, degenerate mode, I think you can point to the Twin banning as, the is like, the moment in time when that started to happen. Wait, 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 wait. I, I just want to, like, can I tell you guys something really crazy? This week, this past weekend, I went out and played Modern for fun. Ooh. What, a, what mid-range pile did you play? Did you have fun? <laughs> <laughs> Was the goal accomplished? <laughs> I had fun, and it felt weird. <laughs> okay, is modern perfect right now? N no, it's still very degenerate. But the thing here is, I think the banning slightly helped. You know what I mean? I, th I thought it, I thought it slightly helped. It's still like, uh, what was I playing? I was playing Esper Control. Surprise! Uh, but the thing here is, I was playing Esper with four main deck Shadow of Doubts instead of Op. <laughs> yes, get them, and, get those fetch lands. <laughs> I got. I, I think one of the sickest plays was uh I was on the play, my opponent goes turn two fetch land, I go shadow of doubt. And they're like, okay, odd. And then they turn three play their they top deck another land, they're like, oh whew. They play it and like, alright, I'm gonna crack this now. I'm like, in response, shadow of doubt. <laughs> and then they conceded. Oh <laughs> uh, I I think oddly, Pioneer has given me more of an appreciation for modern in a weird way. Like before I was stuck in this mode of wanting modern to be something that I don't think it can ever be, which is a, a more fair, slower, interactive format. Like, I think the ship has sailed on that. There's so many cards, there's so many combos. You could ban 20 cards in modern today, and there's still going to be degenerate combo decks that are at the top of the format. So, but I think Pioneer and the before the last couple of weeks, like, kind of fairness of the format made me more okay with being like, all right, I'm going to play modern. People are going to kill each other on turn three or turn four, but I can have fun, like, within the constraints of the modern format and just, like, enjoy it for what it is. Is this, like, weird degenerate thing? But then if I want, like, a fair version of modern where I actually get to play magic for a while, I can fire up a Pioneer League. So in a weird way, I think Pioneer gave me 
new appreciation for modern, where instead of being like, man, why can't this format be slower and fairer? I've come around a little bit to just like embracing it for what it is and enjoying it for what it is. I agree. I mean, like I, I, cause I haven't played modern to be completely honest since yesterday or, or a day and a half ago, whatever. Right. I went out to my LGS and just played modern and it, it, it was acceptable. You know, like I was expecting the degeneracy, like you said, and, and like, yeah, like there for some odd reason, I'm just completely okay with a turn two or something primeval titan turn three primeval <laughs> titan i'm like oh cool that's fine <laughs> like you know unfazed <laughs> uh so do we have any other any other pioneer thoughts players tour thoughts or should we move on and talk a little bit of commander um i don't think so i like I, I there was something but i completely forgot about it so oh one other thing i want to bring up is we're in the the new world of bannings where we don't actually have bnr updates which at first i kind of liked when they said the idea like it'll give us more flexibility but now i realized i just get like a million messages and tweets from people that are like hey is there bnr today and i'm like uh, i don't know like it could be today it could be next week it could be two <laughs> months from now so so that has been a little more awkward than i than i realized with people looking towards like the possibility of banning it's created like this uncertainty so I, i'm starting to like the we don't have a BNR day uh, thing a little bit less now that I'm seeing it in practice. When do I buy out all my cards, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> How will I know when to spike Stone Forge Mystic? Oh no, what is it now? What, what spikes every BNR now? <laughs> Bitter oh, Blossom? Oh, no, not that either. Yes, it's not <laughs> Stone Forge anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, one last thing though, before we go to Commander, there was something that's like kind of, this is what I wanted to talk about. It's sort of Pioneer related, but it's also mm-hmm. modern. Did you see Yuta Takahashi's list where he poured it over the inverter deck into modern? Ooh, I did not see modern inverter. It is a work of beauty. Naturally, there are bitter blossoms. And <laughs> I, uh, but it has Liliana the Veil, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Jace Wielder of Mysteries, just inverter, Tassiger, uh, Inquisition Thoughtseize. It, it, it has, it, it looks like a sweet deck list. That actually sounds like it could be fairly effective. Like, sure, it's a little slower than some of the other combos in Modern, but if you can back it up with all those good interactive spells, maybe it actually has a chance to be good in Modern, too. Yeah, I mean, the only thing here is you'll notice that they don't have dig through time, right? So serum is <laughs> it, it is. It's, oh, it gets worse <laughs> as you pour it into modern because you lose dig through time. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, my deck is actually just strictly worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, you get Snapcaster Inquisition and stuff like that. But it's like, wow, who cares? I just, lo- I'd rather just have a more consistent way of winning. And yeah, so I don't know. I was like, I'm definitely gonna try this modern deck out like online and see how it does it just seems really cool it does sound a little bit like a crim deck when you said bitter blossom i was like i'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing a video of this at some point hypothetically i may or may not make a video playing this deck because it looks sweet uh, all right, let's let's move on and talk some Commander while we have time. So here is the context of our Commander topic for today. Mark Rosewater does his Drive to Work podcast where he talks about magic while he's driving to work. One of the big topics uh, of the last week is potential changes to Commander. So should make this clear, these are not things that Mark was saying is going to happen in Commander, but these are things that have been bandied about internally, externally. They've talked about, and he said he thought that at least some of them would happen eventually. So what I wanted to do is kind of bounce these topics off of you guys and see what you think about these ideas. So like, for example, number one, hybrid cards. There's been a bit of a V debate. Take Kitchen Finks, for example. It is technically a card you can cast in mono white, you can cast it in mono green, but by the rules, it's Selesnia, so you can't play it in a mono white deck, can't play it in a mono green deck, you gotta be white and green. Do you think they should change the rules on color identity to allow hybrid cards to work in monocolor decks? No. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm with Richard. I don't think, <laughs> very much so, just no. <laughs> but if it happened, I don't think it ends my like commander, like play experience. Like this is it. It's over. <laughs> Azorius now has Ashiok Dream Render. This is unplayable. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I'm with Grim here. Uh, no, but this is not 
where I would make my stand on like the commander yeah. format. <laughs> but like for example, kitchen things. It is green white for a reason, right? It has a green part and a white part to it in its abilities in its color pie spectrum. So right. to allow it in a mono white deck or a mono green deck, I feel is wrong. Right? It needs so, to be a deck that supports both of those colors. So I think where I disagree with you is the idea of hybrid is that they are supposed to be within the uh, color pie for either of their colors. So like Kitchen Finks, for example, Mono White Kitchen Finks is a card that would be within white color, uh, White's color pie and Mono Green Kitchen Finks would be within White's color pie. So that that's kind of like the gimmick of hybrid is unlike multicolor cards, the way they design hybrid is intentionally to be monocolored in either of their colors. Like there are some that are a little bit more bendy than others, but that is like the idea of hybrid cards from a design perspective. Uh, yes. All right, maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know anymore. I don't care. <laughs> I I want to see hybrid cards. I just come down on the side where. I feel like more options are a good thing, and if people can, like, I, I want to play, like, we have that new black uncommon Spectre, Urugos, or whatever. I want to play Night Vale Spectre in that deck. Like, if I, what is the harm of me getting to play Night Vale Spectre in my mono black Spectre deck? That seems like a positive for players, uh, generally. So, so that would be my argument for it. Although, at the same time, it's not like, I'm gonna quit Commander if they don't let me play hybrid cards. Like, I'm not, I'm not that, <laughs> uh, whatever fanatical about it, but I do think, personally, I think it would be a good change. I'm, I'm gonna invoke the NFL rules here. Like, since it doesn't <laughs> matter, we should just keep it the way it is and not reverse it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do like it the way it is now. I mean, just, but like, whereas you have a good point with the whole, they should be in their, like, you know, they could be played in their respective monocolored deck, right? But, I'm more so just, like, I think that, like, having, giving, I don't know, I'm just going to use, once again, like, uh, Azores or, like, something like that, or, or, or anything like that, like, giving it, like, a an Ashiok Dream Render. Not the end of the world, but it's lame that they're able to now have a Demir, like, what feels like should be a Demir card to, like, exile, like, their, you know, exile things, and I don't know, I think it should just stay in Demir, right? Like, Ashiok should be there, and it shouldn't be allowed to be played in a mono-blue deck. It shouldn't be played or allowed to be played in a, a, a blue-white deck or something like that, or, or an Azor, or even better, just mono-black mono, mono black or, 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 or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I, just, I feel like it, it just feels weird having those cards there, but it doesn't really matter <laughs> either. <laughs> All right, next topic, and I didn't even know this was something that had been talked about deck size should players be allowed to play more than 100 cards in their commander deck yes i don't think you should <laughs> no you should because you know say okay, it's commander clash time richard builds a deck in 30 minutes it's 105 cards for the next hour and a half he cuts like five <laughs> cards from his deck you know if this rule was not placed i'd be like yep 105 it is <laughs> let's go <laughs> so so richard is a yes motivated mostly by laziness of not wanting to cut the last few cards yeah. from his Commander Clash decks. I could say I, I Battle do. of Wits, but come on, this is the real reason everyone wants. It's like the 41-card limited deck. You're like, it's wrong, but I'm not cutting it. Too much time. I, I honestly, I, I'm okay. Like, I do that. I, I It feels bad, you know, having to sit there and make the, the, and cut from like 106 to 100 all the time. But yeah, like... I don't know. I mean, once you start going over a hundred cards, like you could definitely do a lot of things, right? You can. There's enough cards in the in the pool of magic where you can, even though you feel like you're adding more cards, the numbers are gonna go crazy. You can definitely make it consistent to where it doesn't even feel like you're playing over a hundred cards, right? You just like like you go to like 108, but that's because like 32 of those cards are like tutors or something like that. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Mostly because I think it's going to lead to shuffling issues. Have you ever watched someone try to shuffle a Battle of Wits deck? Do you really want to go to a command still laziness zone? like Richard's thing? <laughs> yeah, if you were a true soldier, you would learn how to shuffle opponent. your 250-card deck. Yes, shuffle five piles of cards and try to match them together, and then next turn they play a fetch land, and they have to Dude, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the thing here is that EDH is supposedly kind of like how a magic board, it feels like it's board game night. With a uh, with like you know magic right well that really does give the whole table something to do together so you know like it together puts the board thing in <laughs> you the each shuffle a quarter game. of my deck and we'll combine it 
Yes. Uh, and then right, after let's... 42 minutes, the next person can do that. <laughs> let's move on to what I think is an easy one. Should Soul Ring be banned in Commander? Ooh, I'm not going to touch this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think of all the this things we're going to talk about, this is the most hotly debated one because we've been talking about it since like the beginning of Commander. Yep. The, but the, I'm going to say numerous... no. It should not be banned. Ooh. I Ooh. understand both sides. I think <laughs> f- Fast Mana, I, I, like, you know, after playing without it, I do like not having it, but it does allow my i don't know my mono blue deck to keep up with green doing green things so i don't know i like soul ring i hate soul ring (laughs) i i i am just gonna i i think it should kind of now like like i I really think it should go but I, i i don't care either way at this point i there's card cases for both sides i I've been a Soul Ring should be banned person basically forever. Not going to change my take on it now. Although I will say, I don't think there's any chance it actually happens. Should Brainstorm be banned in Legacy? Probably. Will it ever be banned in Legacy? No. I think Soul Ring's kind of the same way. It's been in every Commander Precon ever. It's just like so entrenched as part of the format that I can't imagine there's ever a time that it would be banned, although I full-heartedly believe that Commander would be a more fun format if it was banned. But then, but And then encourage do people to do it in your green? own playgroup. Yeah, I, yeah. I think giving all colors access to ramp is a good point, but I also think that it, it's like playing, I don't know, like, it's, it's like playing, like, top balance on turn two, three. Like, yeah, you're theoretically ahead, but you're gonna die. Right, so if you turn one soul ring, like the table Can't will confirm. turn on you, <laughs> right? So if you do it, you better win on the spot. If you do, the game is over. Shuffle up another game, right? It only took two minutes. If not, it makes like this arch enemy game, which is fine, right? Like it's just a different style of a game. Either way, either the game ends immediately, so you just play another game, or it goes on and it's a normal game. So I think. I think it's fine. Like I don't know. I don't think it's a big problem. The reason we don't do it in Commander Clash is that we don't get to showcase all our decks, uh, and you know we don't want to sit there and play like eight games because someone keeps winning on turn one. So that I agree with. But I think overall, I I think it's fine to keep as is. And Commander is a Soul Ring format. If you ban it here, it's like banning Brainstorm and Legacy. Like Seth said, it's it's kind of harsh. All right. Next question. And this is one I never really considered before because. I don't know if I've experienced this problem in our Commander Clash games, but I'm curious if you have. Uh, the fourth player problem. Apparently, uh, it's a big disadvantage to be going last. Should they do something to help the player who's going fourth in a multiplayer Commander game? And is this even a problem? Like, I haven't even ever thought about this. Maybe I'm just completely missing it. Is it a huge disadvantage to be the fourth player in a Commander game? I mean, how many times have you disliked going after me? Well, yeah. that's not. That's, I, I think the position, that's not really about being fourth. That's just about sitting behind Krim with all of his counter mana untapped every turn. Yeah, that's why I don't see the fourth player as a problem. Like sometimes it's beneficial, right? You get to see what everyone does before you spend your mana and untap. So I think where you sit in the table does matter. Like sitting after Krim is terrible. Like you have, you're the one that has to eat the counter spell so that everyone after you gets to play their spells, right? So I think position does matter, but I don't know that there's anything inherently wrong with being fourth. I mean, what is the, what do you give the fourth player or the person going fourth anyways? A treasure token. I think token. card draw. <laughs> a some of the, okay, Richard, the coin essentially. Some of the, yes. <laughs> some of the ideas people mentioned were like an extra card. Maybe you start at like 45 life or like a little bit extra life, a little bit extra card. I don't know. Maybe this is something that also has to do with the power level of the game. I could see if you're playing like, what do we play? Like seven out of 10 power decks most of the time on Commander Clash. I could see if everyone's playing like. I only play tens. CEDH style decks. Like maybe playing fourth just means you don't even get to play a lot of the time because someone already combo killed before you actually get your first turn or whatever. Like, so maybe this is more of an issue for really high powered play groups than it is for the power level we play, but I haven't noticed it to be a big disadvantage at our power level personally. I mean, if you give something to the fourth player, you need to give something to the third player and to the second player as well, right? It has to be some kind of scaling thing, and I don't think like but the then fourth it just player like it's gets terrible to go first. 
Yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Magic has this problem in general, right? Like even in a two-player game, the the person that goes second is at a huge disadvantage. Uh, but I do think you game, should get something for being seated behind Krim, though. <laughs> I would be on board with that. that if you house, can add that, you get an emblem that says your cards can't be countered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody right, next, just has an autoristic study. <laughs> <laughs> next topic. Commander damage. Should we get rid of commander damage? Please no. No. And I, I, this is this is where I will uh, yeah, stake I, I, my... I, I, <laughs> this is where we <laughs> battle to the end here. If they get rid of commander damage, oh boy. <laughs> D- wait, does anybody really want this gone, though? Like, because, like, think about it. There's so Combo many things players. that, like... <laughs> like, like, yeah, like, you need, you need to end... Like, there needs to be an alternative way to win and, like, to end the game. And, like, sometimes... I, I, I don't know. My opponent goes like, I, I, what was that card you played, Seth, a while back? It was hilarious. Uh, it was the three. It's like a four mana black card from Battle Bond. Uh, it, it, if you would die, or, it's pretty much oh, like the like Angel's Thrilling Grace. Encore, I believe it is. Oh right, no, it's yeah. not Thrilling Encore. That's the other one. Yeah, I, I yeah, it's got the spiky purple hair guy on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I thought it was hilarious, and you know, like I, I, I thought I got blown out, and then none of us remember that. Oh wait, hold on. You're still dead because you still took 21 commander damage. <laughs> yeah. And that was the I day think... where you stopped playing that card. But <laughs> <laughs> It is. I have not played that card since. I think the argument that I've seen for removing commander damage is it's a lot of tracking. Your track, each player has to track like additional life totals, essentially, to keep track of each commander dealing damage to each person. So I think that's the biggest argument that I've seen people use against it, but I don't know. I don't have strong feelings on this one. I lean towards... I guess at first I was like, sure, get rid of it. But now the more that I uh, have talked to people and heard people like debate the issue, it's probably worth keeping around. It is kind of like a unique part of the format. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think fetch lands cause more damage to like game maintenance than commander damage. Right? Like shuffling yeah. your massive deck. But two two strategies that invalidates or two strategic things, right? Like one Voltron decks, you, you suddenly just kind of remove them altogether. And two, people that gain infinite life, uh, you can't kill outside of commander damage, right? And commander damage happens like outside of the Voltron thing, right? Like, just smacking you like five times in a row with my like normal commander can kill you. And you know, if you gain a hundred life or something, you're basically unkillable aside from commander damage. So I, I think it's necessary. Otherwise, I would just play infinite life combos all the time. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Couple couple of more topics. Poison counters. In Magic, 10 poison counters kill you, but that is balance based on a 20 life starting life total. Should Commander require more poison counters for a player to die based on starting with twice as much life in Commander compared to uh, 1v1? So, like, what? That would make it 20 poison counters to kill somebody? 20 right. would be keep the ratio the same with uh, yeah. with yeah 1v1 games. But but then it's like, well, it's not just commander damage. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's true. It is it would be similar. I I mean, okay, I despise I don't like infect, right? And 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 like yeah, like I just think that uh but like at the same time if you make it 20 or you increase the amount of infect it's just the same as commander damage, right? No, but I, other creatures can do it, right? Like, for right. example, Triumph of the Hordes isn't so ridiculous now that if you increase everyone's, uh, you know, poison I'm, threshold I'm pretty, to 20. Anytime I've ever ca- casted a Triumph of the Hordes, though, I definitely know that it's, like, outside of a, a few times that, like it, where it's been exactly 10 poison counters, I feel like... <laughs> Triumph of the Hordes just usually like wins the game, and I'm I'm winning by an excess amount of poison counters. A lot of excess ten though. (laughs) I kind of yeah. I kind of feel like it should take more poison counters. Not so much because of people who want to play a janky infect deck. In fact, creatures are pretty bad for the most part. But I think that cards like Tainted Strike, uh, Grafted Exoskeleton, Triumph of the Hordes, those are the cards that I think 
actually are by far the most powerful when you only need to deal 10 poison counters in a 40 life format. And plus, I don't really like Infect either, so if the change made people just not play Infect cards, I would personally be fine with that if, like, no one ever played Infect cards in Commander, but... So I would be in support of that change, I think. But then that significantly hurts my dragon deck, Seth. (laughs) (laughs) Dragons, yes. No, 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 I didn't say with a plural. It wasn't dragons. It was a dragon. (laughs) Oh, that's right. Scytherix, the (laughs) dragon. Yeah, 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 it's just How's a my skeleton deck. deck ever going to win again, Seth? Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Next next topic. Uh, it's hard for aggro decks to kill three players with a combined 120 life. Some aggro players think that maybe the starting life total should be changed in Commander to be a bit lower, maybe 30 life like in Brawl. Do you think there's any argument for changing the 40 life starting life total in Commander? I like 40 life. I, th- I think 40 life is great. Uh, I see no need to like actually change that, fix that, or it's not even. I don't even think it's broken. I think you could just let that stay. Yeah, I, like it makes so depends who you talk to, right? But I, I think I like forty life. Like if you're an aggro player trying to knock someone down to forty is a tough deal. However, if you have three players trying to kill you, forty life is not enough, right? So if you drop down to thirty, like you're you're so dead out of nowhere. So I feel forty is fine, and aggro players. Just need to up their game or like change their <laughs> yeah. strategy. Like you, you cannot aggro player. Like you can't just out aggro like three people. Like that's like impossible, right? You need to do some politicking or do something. You can't just you know Zergo Bell Striker like three people to death. It's just not <laughs> happening, right? Uh, yeah, I I like to dirtle. This is definitely my personal bias and my the playstyle I enjoy. But I would be fine with like sixty life or something because that gives me more time to draw cards and do nothing before I die. So we also <laughs> I don't think that'd be good life. for the game. But <laughs> uh, all right, last last one, and this is kind of a a double header. Should planeswalkers? be legal as commanders and should non-planeswalker non-creatures that are legends so for example a sky sovereign council flagship the legendary vehicle should they be legal as your commanders does that mean i can also play like (laughs) like yeah like legendary just the mortal sun yeah yeah Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I mean, that's a little too far. I think planeswalkers are probably fine, but yeah, Sky Sovereign seems fine, but it's the same type as like a Mox, so maybe not. <laughs> we don't want like Mox Opal or Immortal Sun. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> My commander I- is Mox Opal. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm a big supporter of planeswalkers. I'm not really on board with non planeswalker non creatures, but I do think that planeswalkers would be very flavorful and they're generally harmless like planeswalkers in general just aren't that good in a four player game they're so easy to uh, be attacked down by one of the four players or by some combination of them so i feel like it wouldn't be a huge change other than maybe you got to ban like doubling season or something because of instant ultimate combos which whatever that's a price i'd be willing to play so i would say yes to planeswalkers lean no for the reasons you were mentioning to non-planeswalker non-creatures. What's the rules committee's official stance on this? Because I know they've talked about this before. Like, they say no, I believe, but what was the reason? Oh, I, I do not know their reasoning. I know they've said no to planeswalkers, but I, I'm i not sure what their reasoning was for it. Yeah, I feel like this is going to happen given that Brawl allows you to use planeswalkers. And Wizards loves printing planeswalkers. And yeah. honestly, casual players love playing with planeswalkers. Like, it seems like yeah, it's a win for everyone except for the rules committee <laughs> in, in some sense. Like, it makes everyone happy. Flavor-wise, I, it makes sense too, right? Like, that's the right. whole point of using a legendary creature. And what's more legendary than a planeswalker, right? Like, so... Yeah. I think it will happen. I'm just imagining, though, like, somebody playing, like... Karn, the great creator, or something all the time, and just like shutting off everyone's deck <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, or, yeah. or, or, or like me playing, like, cause remember when we did, uh, what not, not tiny leaders, uh, Oathbreaker, <laughs> Oathbreaker, and then having three fairy, and I was like, haha, I do it again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hmm. There are planeswalkers where it can be, like, especially the ones with passives, can be a little brutal, right? Like, but we have creatures it, that do that, right? Like Thalia in my command zone. Ha ha. Right? Like, I don't and, know. Like, there's right, creatures right. all the time, right? And Teferi, I think part of the reason your deck was so obnoxious is it was also silenced, so you could just like shut down someone's turn at will repeatedly. So I feel like without the signature <laughs> spells, they become a little bit powered down, maybe. 
I mean, my Aminatu deck is just all Planeswalkers, right? And, like, you would think that, oh, well, you know, a Planeswalker's fine, but when that's all I'm playing, it starts getting out of control, right? I, I like, I love Planeswalkers, so I will always say, yeah, make command, like, com- like Planeswalkers commander playable, or, like, uh, a legal commander. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, the arguments against it, eh, I, I don't think they're that bad either, to be honest with you. I really do not think they're that bad. Uh, I don't see, like, I don't know the reasoning behind why they, we aren't able to do that yet, but I don't think they're bad for commanders. It's because the rules committee is separate from wizards and they gotta, like, battle it out. (laughs) Right? Because wizards still doesn't control commander as a format, right? Yeah. No, it is true. It is a separate entity. They are, like, somewhat, I think they're friends. <laughs> they they get along for the most part. Commander but... clash friends. Or... <laughs> but yes, it is true. It is an outside group that actually manages the format. So which cannot be sustainable. Eventually, Wizards going to take it. <laughs> the, like, uh, with I don't the know advent of it. command zones and all these products, I would not be surprised if well, Wizards, Wizards to, like, owns Commander, their right? Like Elder High Dragon or Elder Dragon. Elder Dragon Highlander, yeah. <laughs> Elder Dragon Highlander. EDH Elder. is what the Rules Committee or whatever controls. And Wizards is like, cool, we'll call it Commander, right? Because they don't want to use that same name. Yeah. I mean, no. yeah, we've also gone very far from like Elder Dragons. <laughs> uh, all right. I think that brings us to the end of our Commander discussion. And we still got a few minutes left. So, Richard. Center back, guide us through some fish mail. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. First up, Shade of Hades. Do you know if anyone has tested out the lands don't untap spells from Amonkhet with Fires of Invention in Pioneer? Kefnet's Last Word, Bantu's Last Reckoning, etc. I have been Bantu's Last Reckoning uh, by like the, the Super Friends, Fae of Wishes, Planeswalker, Fire's deck in Pioneer. So really? I have seen that, but I haven't seen anything beyond that, I don't think. I'm pretty sure that's the only one that I've seen. What, what I, is the like, point what, of this? Well, I so, mean, because you're, you're like, not, it's just... You never have to, to use your mana. So. You have yeah, fires, though. Like, yeah. you don't. Who cares about the fact that it's three mana wrath? Because you can just play like a four mana wrath. <laughs> or, or is there no four mana wrath? There must be a four mana no, there, wrath. No, no, there's like you verdicts. could play a four mana wrath. Yeah. Um, I guess it's cheaper if you actually have to cast it. Like, if you're desperate, you can just cast it on turn three against aggro or something. But, but the thing, I guess, like the reason why I wouldn't play that unless I'm like Grixis fires or something is because it is a like. If I don't have fires, I'm hard casting that one, right? And that's yeah. like a real mana cost, like one black black in a deck that is primarily like blue white. What are what are the other ones? Uh, I'm trying to like last word, which is like control magic. Yeah. Um, and then you have oh, a Petra's last thing mercy where resets you back your life. up to twenty, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then the red oh, the, one, <laughs> the green one makes a a fatal push a pull five four. <laughs> I oh, forgot yeah, about yeah, that. People were so excited for that card. Like, yeah, I'm going to play this on turn two and get him. And oh, man, it just never, never worked out because Fatal Push was in the format and you yeah. time walk yourself. <laughs> what was the red one? Oh, hmm. I don't know. Is it a threaten effect? I wanted to say carries have expertise, but that's not it. I'm actually not sure what the red one is. Yeah, I, I don't remember what the red one was. It probably hmm. wasn't good, though, because I <laughs> yeah. really can't I, I think, think the two that were playable have been listed. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, you like. Oh, it, oh, it's like a mind's, mind's desire type effect, I think. You get to, like, exile some number of cards that and play them for no free. That makes no sense, because your lands don't attack. How do you play them? <laughs> you get to play some for free. Like, you exile oh, oh. and get to play some of them for free that turn or something. That'd be, that's such a sick meme. <laughs> you can play these cards next turn. Oh, but your mana doesn't attack. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're just not very good, I think, is the answer. They synergize with fires, but none of the cards that make your lands untap are, like, so good that you actually want to play them in your deck. Agreed. All right. Kojiro Sakaki, if a Grand Prix slash PT, I, I don't actually know what a PT stands for anymore. Is it Players Tour or Pro Tour? It's Pl- Players Tour. <laughs> Same place, date, format. Which data should we refer to to understand the meta? GP because more players played in it or Pro Tour since the players are higher level. For example, Nagoya Grand Prix versus Players Tour had different top eight results. So I would go with the Players Tour event for two reasons. One is you do have higher level players in general. 
Two is, and I think this is the most important one for me, uh, you actually get all the deck lists and data from Players Tour events when for Grand Prix you get like a top eight and you don't really get to see the full picture and the matchup data and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's the biggest reason that I would go with Players Tour events over GP events. I would say Players Tour with an asterisk, so don't look at the top eight. Uh, top yeah. eight is bad because it takes into account your limited results. So if you had a deck that crushed in Pioneer but was terrible and limited, you wouldn't be in the top eight. Uh, but if you look at the stuff we post, like our matchup data, we actually just look at the straight up Pioneer matches so you can tell which deck uh, beat which decks. And like Seth said, they're higher level players, so that would be better. Uh, Bills fan six four seven three. <laughs> yes, there's dozens of us. Seth, Seth you make an alternative you? account. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the appeal account. of Commander? Isn't the point of MTG to win, not to fiddle with some random combo or make life miserable for everyone by playing cards like Winter Orb? As a spike, I don't get playing it as there's no end game such as PTQs or GPs to build to. I I think this was my biggest struggle with Commander before I started playing it. Because all I had known was just, like, playing GPs and, and, and PPTQs and, and all of that stuff. But I actually found out at some point for me, it, it was actually a mind-blowing thing to me, that I can just have fun. <laughs> I, I know this sounds ridiculous, but, like, I love magic, right? And there's so many parts of magic, so many things that you can get in magic, that Commander captures all of it, so there's something for everyone. And... I, I think that's what made me really fall in love with the format because let's say standard, I'm tired of losing to Nissa. <clears throat> uh, and uh, so like, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And okay, well, I want to go to a format where I can actually like play my pet cards, play my pet archetype or whatever. Also to like get to go crazy on the deck building and like have fun with it. Because uh, I think that's my favorite part about Commander is that I get to go deck building, throw a bunch of pet cards, bad cards and try to make it work. Or, or just yeah, and stuff like that. So that the hardest thing for me was making the switch uh, mindset wise, and I think that I I just like playing with friends, and I think that's it's more of a social game than it was like going into it. I'm not trying to win, which sounds weird, but if you go into it thinking of it like I'm playing a board game with a bunch of friends, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, I think that's a pretty good way to put it. If you're a chew spike, it might be hard to understand. But just think about everything else you do in life. Like, do you always try to win everything? Like, if your friends come over to play some basketball or you play some <laughs> yes. Smash Brothers or something. I have to something. dunk on them. <laughs> like, if you're not the best person in the room, you're going to have a terrible time. And you can't be the best at everything, right? So sometimes you just play to have fun, to see cool things, to... I don't know. Like, why do you watch a movie? Do you win watching a movie? No, you just watch a movie and enjoy it. It's right? good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's just a kind of a mindset thing. Like, if you come in wanting to win and you don't win, then then yeah, that's bad. But if you come in and you're just like, oh, I want to have a fun time. I want to you know pull off this combo. It may not win me the game, uh, but it's a pretty cool combo. So if I do it, it'll be like a moral victory. And if I do it, then that's good enough. So kind of that mindset. Uh, yeah, I, 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 well, yeah, like, I guess, like, that mindset thing is, I really would, yeah, like to say that that is so true. When I went into this, I was super spiky and, like, I couldn't, it was the idea of playing multiplayer was so difficult and it was so hard to get those wins unless I was playing a ridiculously broken deck, right? Or some CDH deck. And I, it just ruined my first time playing EDH. I actually hated it after playing it for, like, like, like 10 times or something like that because i just couldn't win i it, it was it was it was weird like going in with that mindset that i had to win it made the format miserable to me the, the other way to look at it is let's say you play with three people who are not good at magic like they are beginners would you have any <laughs> enjoyment like spiking their face into the ground <laughs> right no <laughs> right like you can obviously beat them there's no point so your goal for that game would be what it would be to have fun Right. So yeah. you can take that you can take that mindset into games where everyone is, you know, theoretically equal. Uh Eric Wood 13. What would you think if Mesmeric Mesmeric Orb was reprinted into standard? Yeah, sure. What's what's Mesmeric Orb? Is that the thing where like you untap uh, and you mill people? Whenever yeah, a permanent becomes untapped, yeah, yeah. you get milled. Yeah. I mean, maybe I guess it would probably be fine. I don't know. I Maybe it's too powerful. No, I I think it would probably be fine for standard. To be honest with you, let's be let, let, let's 
let's talk about it, right? I mean, mill players could, would finally jump with joy. Is <laughs> is this, like, you know, is this the day where mill is finally able to be the tier deck, right? Like, even if it did get reprinted, I don't think it, like, ends the format by any means. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it'd be pretty cool, especially with Escape. Ooh. <laughs> I, I think now would be a dangerous time for <laughs> with Escape. Right? I, I think that'd be pretty cool with Escape. Like, I don't know. Okay, what, when uh, was the last time Mill was, like, a real deck in Standard? Like, ever? I don't oh. think it was ever a tier deck, right? Sphinx's Outside Tutelage? Like, Drownyard, maybe? Tutelage yeah, was a thing. Tutelage decks, Drownyard decks, that's about it. I used to joke about that and say that, like, you know, my Drownyard decks were mill decks, and that's what I would always tell people I'm playing. Like, I'm playing a mill deck, because <laughs> that was my only way to win, right? Oh, like, so cool. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, that's sweet. And then really, it was just a hundred, like, counter spells, and then, and then just, like, wait, and then just, like, mill you out slowly. But, like... <laughs> The, the truest form of mill, I think, would be cool to see at some point, I guess. Or maybe I say that now, but then if I lose to it enough times, <laughs> it won't feel great when all my cards are constantly being thrown away. We need to go to the mill plane. <laughs> yeah, what, what plane is that? I, I feel I like know. Ashiok's We're... the best plane for that, right? <laughs> Yo, P. Keenmas. I was watching a video at the SCG channel, and one person asked a pretty interesting question. Who is the scariest opponent you face in a match? Or who could your MTG arch enemy be? Hmm. <laughs> that's a that's a good question. It's changed. <laughs> it's, All right, it's sounds like you me. have an arch enemy. Who is your arch enemy? Well, okay. At first, it was a a local player, right? Who who eventually went on to become like an L three or something like that, and he was hilarious. He was such a fun person to play against, but. You could never read him. He had the same expression. When he was excited, mad, whatever, it was all the same. And one of the things, like, I think he beat me with an entire, like, I was playing a blue-black control deck, and he was playing an Esper singleton deck outside of his lands. <laughs> Instead, and, like, he just had one Sun Titan, one Grave Titan, <laughs> and one Doom Blade, one Mana Leak. <laughs> and, uh, like, yeah, it went after I... Got on to more playing to playing more GPS. I don't. I actually. Oh, I I think most recently it's probably Martin. It was like Martin Yuza because he only we always get paired against each other on the ladder, and and, and then like he would like like he would be the person that I'd always play on the ladder. So I guess that'd be Martin Yuza. But yeah, that those are the two people I I think of. I guess for Arch Nemesis that and like not drawing lands. <laughs> I don't think I have a arch nemesis really. Like I've never been much of a GP player or anything like that. So it's not like I have some some pro rival. I guess from a broader perspective, Vince to some extent because of, because of the beard beard war thing. But that's more wow, uh, not good even fun. acknowledging my best the best beard in the room. <laughs> it's cool, dude. Mm, my arch enemy is Saffron Olive. <laughs> Remember we used to do all like the pre-constructed decks and he would oh, always beat me for some reason? And I like, would why? always beat you somehow. <laughs> why? Why? How? How? This I don't RNG. know because, yeah, that is random because I think you have like higher arena ranking than me a lot of times, so. What, you mean my uh, bronze one that I've decayed to is? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like mythic top 200 or something not that long ago and both like yeah. limited and constructed. I, I think, how many, how many times do you drop per season when you don't play? I, I don't know. But I think I think I'm gold now, so I, I think you've got me there, Seth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm gold too, so we're even. Yeah, <laughs> Team Goldfish, because I'm also gold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hashtag Goldfish Staff. The hashtag Goldfish Staff. Uh, <laughs> at Bicycle, for me in EDH, playing against green-based decks is miserable. When I play them, feels like solitaire. Do you think green has gotten too flexible and able to fulfill too many roles? If you don't agree, how do you guys deal with land ramp? <laughs> I mean, green probably is too flexible. That's something we've talked about in standard and other formats as well, where green gets to do everything. Um, I don't really build my deck specifically thinking, like, how am I going to compete with green decks, though? I guess I just hope that it works out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's just been my thing, especially 
in recent uh, printings and like whatnot from for Green. Green's gotten everything right. I mean, a counter spell, <laughs> a bunch of ways to draw, silly amount of good creatures and answers and whatnot. So. I don't know how you really stop green. I, I think green is ridiculous now. Um, is green becoming the new blue? Like, is is that now the, like, I mean, blue has been a very strong color for a long time, though. So, I don't know. Yeah, but green gets to draw more cards than blue. Green does everything better than blue nowadays. But yeah. I, I do think land ramp is the single most powerful thing you can be doing in Commander because there's no way to punish it. Uh, Armageddon effects are looked down upon. So if I just ramp to like 12 lands, you can't do that. And people don't even see that as a threat. Like if, if you play a banded doubler, everyone's like, yeah, kill it. But what if I just naturally have 12 lands? Like, what are you going to do about it? Like nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I you mean, can't really do anything about it. And it's like the most powerful thing you could be doing. Just keep ramping. Like the, the green spells that, uh, like the five and six mana ramp spells that you know you put a land for every land you have on the battlefield. Like those things are insanely powerful. Yeah, like I, mo- like just like a mono green deck, right? Like so, like uh, a buddy uh, Al- Alan Wu uh, and whatnot. You know, like like the one that just actually top aided. He plays a mono green EDH deck. It's an Azusa deck, which is like forty lands, Eldrazi Titans. And feel the dead making a ton of zombies. And just tons of ways to just ramp. Every turn, he like actually just plays like 40 plus lands. And is just dropping tons of them every turn. And I think like turn 4, turn 5, he was casting the Eldrazi Titans. So, I don't know. I mean like it just shows like you could just sit there and ramp your to the end of time and to the end of days. And you'll just like yeah like turn 3... I think he had like 92 forests already or something like that out on board. He was hard casting Titans, right? He's like, okay, we hashtag bring back Armageddon. Yep. (laughs) That's the way you deal with it, right? Like if you want to ramp all your lands on the battlefield, let me Armageddon here. And while we slowly crawl back and build our mana, you are drawing nothing but like eight drops. (laughs) I mean, unless it's like thing. Some playgroups don't like land destruction. I mean, right? most so, like, play, most playgroups don't, right? And that's yeah, the yeah. problem, then, right? You can just kind of abuse it <laughs> by just I, ramping like crazy. I think maybe like more Ashiok style effects, Leonin Arbiter. Like maybe if you want to like not go as far as like Armageddoning everyone, those are good ways to like shut down the way green normally ramps. That isn't quite as game changing i guess than an armageddon so maybe play more of those style effects no Arm- armageddon seems fine very <laughs> 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 mm. mm. <laughs> much next time i'm guessing on commander it. clash again is it mono white week <laughs> <laughs> uh last question tyrannic nero should i hold onto mox opals or sell them before they drop too much uh, there where are they at now i mean, I, gotta, even... I should probably check that mox opal currently eh, a little under 70 with buy list down at like 35 i would say uh, based on the weakness of the buy list prices if you can get anywhere near retail of like 65 to 70 dollars i would probably sell it because based on uh the buy list prices i wouldn't be surprised if they keep trending down like into the 50s at least especially if you're not using them i i was gonna say yeah like if you can if you can get anywhere near retail like like actually anywhere near 60 to 70 bucks that's that's an amazing deal uh and i would feel bad selling it (laughs) but like yeah if you can get anything uh, like a, I, I would say like around forty, I'd probably be happy. Like I'd probably be moving it pretty quick. There's All just right. not that much demand outside of modern. Really, it's not legal anyplace else. It sees playing legacy, but legacy's not much of a thing. Doesn't see that much playing commander. So I don't know who's buying Max Opals at this point. So getting rid of them makes yeah. sense. All right, that's all the fish mail we have. We went a bit over, but I want to get them all in. So thank you to everyone who sent them in. You can send in your future questions to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 263 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, good to have you back, Crib. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. You can get 10% off over at cardconduit.com slash goldfish and On that note, we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, this is the crew signing out. (laughs) 